Breakfast Metal episode 93. I realise in recent episodes I've kind of been neglecting newer music, uh, particularly music from 2021. So as we're at the halfway point of the year, I thought it would be a good time to sort of go through some albums I've been listening to this year so far. I think I've been threatening to do this for a few episodes. So I'm probably going to split this into two parts. And I'm basically just going to run through everything I've listened to enough that I've ended up purchasing it. So And, and excluding anything that's um, come up on the podcast before, like uh, Mayor Cognitum that we covered back through the episode with Donovan. There's been loads of cool stuff this year, so... There will be hundreds of albums I'm neglecting, and and as always, please get in touch. Like share your favourites from this year. I haven't, I haven't by any means definitively gone through a lot of the important releases. I've still not got round to that latest Gojira album. Um, so yeah, anything left out? This is no no slur on it. It probably just means I haven't given it enough time yet. Also, it's not going to be in any kind of thematic order. This is just going to be a random list of things I've been enjoying. So let's kick things off with an album I'm very fond of. So this is the band Code with their fifth album, Flybrone Prince. So Code, um, if you listen to Into the Combine's 100th episode, I was a guest on that and got to talk about their 2009 album, Resplendent Grotesque, which I think we all, me and Rob covered in the podcast really early on, um, which is this absolutely monumental album from this, like, London-based band. The The thing with Code is they are this really cool amalgamation of progressive or post-rocky stuff with some real, like, black metal leanings. And their second album, Resplendent Grotesque, was this real, like, landmark thing. It had this really star-studded lineup. So guitarist and band leader Aort was joined by members of Fed Boone's Ender, Dossheim's Guard. I think Adrian Erlandson played drums on it. It was... Um, Frost uh, did vocals, or, you know, most famously now of Grave Pleasures. So it had these amazing, like all these amazing performances, like ridiculous bass work from Victor Nick of um, Dossheim's Guard. Really incredible album. And the band is sort of, in some ways, always going to be dogged by that one. There's always going to be something they have to live up to. So straight after that, they, they lost most of that lineup. It, it is like the only true member to still be in the band from that lineup, although um, uh, second guitarist Andras was a guest on that album to play the solo on um, I Hold Your Light. So they, they, there's like a little link, but as I think Aeolt's always been the, the main songwriter, so there's always been that kind of run-through, but they had this huge task of replacing that star-studded lineup, and actually they, they did a really good job, like Get, like particularly finding a vocalist to replace Kvost. I'm sure I'm saying his name wrong, but the the new um new singer uh, Vakane uh, Wakane uh, I assume um has, has an absolutely brilliant voice. I genuinely think I might actually prefer him. He can both do those like amazing harsh black metal vocals and does that really kind of just very odd haunting but still incredibly powerful, clean vocals, which you know, both are used to full effect on Flybrown Prince. So this is the album I'd kind of been waiting for for this band ever since Resplendent, because Organox, the, the follow-up, was was enjoyable, but it, uh, it I, for me it didn't quite hold a candle to their first two albums. And Mutt's, their um, fourth album, 
what I think is an absolute masterpiece, like, I, I love it, is a complete departure from metal. Like, they went into this very kind of, like, psychedelic rock direction, and it's amazing, but it, it's lost a lot of what made Resplendent Grotesque incredible. So then coming back to a heavier sound with the their, like, follow-up six years later has been amazing. And, and this, this album doesn't disappoint at all. It has loads of those elements that made Resplendent so incredible. Like, you have that really prominent rhythm section at this point that you have, like, such a huge bass sound in this mix. It's this, like, really heavy pick bass sound, like, like some of the loudest sort of bass playing I've heard on, like, one of these, like, sort of progressive black metal style albums in a long time. And the, the, the playing very much lives up to having that massive uh, place in the mix. But like the album really starts off in amazingly like furious fashion. The the title track opener is, is an incredibly brutal song. But as as the album progresses, we do get elements of the the clean vocals, which have always been a standout part of Code. Like those amazing, like really odd, like it's a coupling as well. Like the oddness of the vocals, like. The the delivery is very strange. Like sort of the the rhythm and placing of words is really out there, but also lyrically they're they're always very odd. And actually, as times progress, they've gone from like those first two albums were very uh, sort of avant garde lyrics where you you could take a million and one meanings from a lot of the songs. They didn't have quite so clear. Uh, meanings whereas like later on when you get to mutt it's this very personal incredibly like tragic kind of sounding stuff like a lot of things that the kind of talking about mental health and mental illness like yeah some amazing stuff on that and th this really seems to from what i can tell continue in that direction it's, it's only been out like less than a month so i haven't really delved deep into the lyrics but tracks like from the next room really give that impression also from the next room really feels like the i hold your light of this album the the sort of centerpiece this midpoint where the like it's, it, i think it's entirely clean vocals for the song and it's suddenly like strikingly beautiful against all the kind of extreme heaviness of the the kind of previous and following tracks the album also brings itself to an absolutely incredible close with a 12 minutes long the mad white hair which like goes through a lot of different movements and closes in this like amazing piece of lead guitar like andras really outdoing himself on on this kind of soloing here like the code never a band who focus a lot on lead guitar but when they drop it, it, it like when they those moments are dropped in absolutely incredible stuff so yeah i, I feel given I, i'll need more time to really know how i feel about how this sits you know in uh, their overall catalog but my sort of immediate impressions of like you know first five to ten listens is i love it and i'm really happy they are they are back on absolute top form again and yeah i i, I foresee this being an album i definitely revisit a lot <laughs>
Next up is a band I don't think I've ever covered on the podcast before, but I'm not sure kind of why, because I'm a really big fan of their work. This is Estuarine with their latest EP, Nyla Lofotep. Um, just look up Estuarine, because I'm sure I've <laughs> mispronounced that. But So Estuarine are a one-man project of multi-instrumentalist Hydrus. Um, according to Metal Archives, have been going since 1990, but the, the first release was 2013. They've done quite a few full lengths on a big fan of their most recent full-length Sick Erat Scriptum which they the kind of what the style they play is this incredibly progressive really kind of violent and ever-changing like Metal Argos lists it as um, experimental technical death metal grindcore but I've always felt there was a slight black metal edge to this and I think it's where where a lot of these modern genres fall in a hole like it's hard to tag this but this is really super fast, really chaotic, highly technical music with this incredibly varied and brutal vocal approach, often going into some like high pitched screams but throwing in some like awesome lower vocals as well. So Hydrus, I don't believe is a drummer. In fact, I'm certain the drums are programmed to this stuff. And all these all this music does have this slight um home recording vibe to it it is it is very raw the production has a lot of rough edges to it but there is good reason for this because this is true one-man metal not only is he playing everything obviously programming the drums but you're playing all the guitars doing all the amazing bass work amazing vocals it's all mixed mastered everything the album covers all his own work and you can see this one vision leading to this incredibly experimental music so with with the album as i say sick error after that that um sick erat scriptum uh sorry is there is a load of really kind of quite long expansive songs that go into these like very strange changes like dropping in like odd jazzy moments then going back to like the blasting fury like lots of weird breaks and change of pace with this latest ep a lot of that shredded like the dp is only just over nine minutes long but it's eight tracks and this one far more sits in that kind of grind tag just by virtue of these songs coming and going so fast like it's, it's actually quite a difficult ep but compared to like even their previous EP to get your head around because things happen so quickly. You have songs with like four riffs in that are fifty seconds long. No, maybe not quite four riffs. I don't know. I I I don't feel I've learned this album because it's, it's very much you blink and you miss it. But there's so much kind of like chaos and fury going on in this. But still, those moments of like amazing melody that he, he adds into everything. And I think one of the the best covers they've done yet yeah, is really amazing 
kind of um, very abstract image. I'm a real fan of, of Hydrus's work. They just everything they do has such a unique edge to this. I feel there's a lot more to understand on this EP. I need to take time to like truly break it down, but it still has a lot of the trademarks of what I love about what they do, and it, it still feels like they're pushing on this amazingly unique sound. So if you're new to the band, maybe this isn't the start point, but if you really are looking for something like really out there chaotic grind, this is great, but I'd probably suggest, yeah, for first listen, go back to their most recent album, or even their, their latest EP, Wisdom of Silent Assoups, um, well, the EP before this one. Both really, really good. just got why they're formed in 1990 that's because he's 31 and was born then that makes a lot of sense so because this episode is me delving into just what i've been listening to a few of the bands will be a fair amount bigger and uh, you'll, you'll probably be well aware of them hopefully i've got some surprises in here but the next one is one i imagine a lot of you have already listened to this is ruins of beverast with their latest album the full grimmeries so the Ruins of Beverest, if you don't know, are a one-man project of Alexander von Mielenwald, who is this incredible multi-instrumentalist. Uh, you may remember I rated Exuvia as one of the, the best albums of the, the most recent decade, and honestly, their, their entire back catalogue of albums is flawless. So this one, four years on from that, highly anticipated for me and many others. And and he's not disappointed. So over the, the course of Ruins of Everest, they're a band who I would argue have got less extreme as they've gone. Like Exuvia was very... like They've always had a foot in the doom camp, but it was very kind of trance-inducing and atmospheric um, rather than leaning into some of the more brutal stuff you might hear on kind of foulest semen of a sheltered elite. Not a negative either way. Like, I, I'm very happy with this direction they're going. And The Full Grimmery sort of takes some of the ideas from the last album and expands those out. So there's a lot of very ritual-type stuff on Exuvia, and that's kind of gone in favour of... There's a lot more kind of, like, gothy post-rock elements. Um, I think a lot of that is like the use of synth, and there's a lot of clean vocals as well. Alexander has this fantastic low singing voice. Um, they've like, used to full effect on the chorus of The Tundra Shines. Like, just absolutely amazing when these clean sections come in. And because as well, these are long Doom songs, they, 
there's a lot of room before the big hook. There's a lot of slow build towards it. When it happens, it is so powerful and, and engaging. There's, there's still some seriously heavy moments on this, like Ropes into Eden, the opening track, gets quite punishing in places. Like, his drum work is never that kind of, you know, the, the parody of Doom where it's like, you know, go for a tea break between every hit. Like, there's some great, like, sections of double kick coming in, and his scream vocals are still this intense, brutal sound. But there is so much more of the amazing kind of clean vocals, which I really enjoyed as an album of the Briefs album. I think they've used them before as well, but it, it really hit me on their, their last album. And this one, it's pushed to the next, next level. There's even moments on this, say, like um, Mammoth, Popol Mammoth Polis. Um, that's a really hard word to say. Uh, goes full on prog rock. Like there is some real progressive rock leanings in that kind of like, shorter track in the middle of the album. But there's still a lot of doom a lot of kind of heavier stuff i i i don't know yet i mean it's been out since january so i should have more of an opinion but i i don't know where it sits for me in terms of their catalog because he's quite different to a lot of their albums you, you can say well and truly it's just tell it's the same band but yeah i i don't know i don't know if i prefer it i mean it's still hard to digest their music is always these massive like this is a 70 minute long album but it has very few flaws. Like the only two slight letdowns to it is, I think the cover looks a bit silly, and the final track, Deserts to Bind and Defeat, has these amazing moments, but it keeps sort of stopping and changing direction, and it doesn't flow quite as well as the earlier tracks. It's a minor thing, but with a 70-minute long album, I always want it to end on a massive high. Um... But yeah, this this one doesn't quite nail it. Like some of their previous albums have, have nailed the closer. Don't let that put you off. This is still absolutely masterful. Like the Ruins of Beverest are so far ahead of the majority of bands in in their their general subgenre. Like what they do is is absolutely monumental. And, and every time I hear it, I always have this strange sense of like. I almost can't believe someone's quite this good at combining those elements of like doom, goth, black metal to make this just deeply affecting, but also still catchy, engaging, and quite digestible music. They're, they're incredible force.
not sure how much of the recording is picking up the building work outside. I hope that's not too distracting. There's not much I can do about it. Anyway, to continue on on a an album in a very similar vein and another one that was kind of, I guess, very exciting, if not necessarily anticipated. It came with a, a lot of pedigree. This is Yoth Irei um, with their debut album as The Flame Withers. So if you've not heard of this band... It's two old Rotten Christ alumni doing an album in that kind of vein. So these are two guys, Jim Mutilator and um, the Magus, or Morbid as he was known on his his early Rotten Christ days, were both on Rotten Christ's legendary Thy Mighty Contract and in the band in that that kind of early 90s period where they, you know, these people were a big part and forming the massive Greek black metal scene, which the influence of which is hugely felt throughout the the black metal underground. Like this had a huge effect on like the Norwegian wave of black metal, where all that kind of classic stuff massively influenced by these guys. They're in a, a ton of other bands as well. Um, so uh, the the also stuff like Thou Art Lord, which again features Rotten Christ members uh, and Necromantia. Uh, Jim was also in Varathon, which another project with with members of of Rotten Christ. And actually, the roundup, the lineup on this uh, Yoth era album is is rounded out by guitarist George Emmanuel, who's a long serving live guitarist for for Rotten Christ. Although I I don't think he's doing that anymore. But, but every time I've seen Rotten Christ live, he's been the second guitarist. So like, pedigree is ridiculous. Then to, to top it off, absolutely brilliant album cover. I love these kind of images of like it's a giant like winged godlike figure before some tiny tiny kind of fig- human figures in the foreground. I, I, for some reason, I'm obsessed with that kind of imagery of a giant, like, a giant figure looking down some smaller figures. Looks amazing. And what we get here, actually, interestingly, because you would expect their online mighty contract, okay, it's going to be more of that. Actually, this sounds far closer to later era um, Ross and Christ. Like, the albums it puts me in mind of are stuff like Alio, um the one before that, and actually the basically the sound they've been been following since the album. I can't remember the name of. But yeah, that that kind of newer Rotten Christ sound where they got that real kind of weight to them. Theonosia is, is the album I'm thinking of from 2007. That's to my mind, that's the point where Rotten Christ really settled into their sort of modern era sound. And this is leaning towards that. So it's huge wall of guitars moments of incredible melodicism with these very very clear kind of um pronounced vocals just absolutely just so immediately engaging also kind of short very to the point song structures so the magus here is credited with vocals and lyrics jim mutilator is bass and songwriting and actually yeah so we have a few other guys we have a keyboard player joined the band and a drummer joined the band as well as um as well as uh George on on guitar so George playing all the guitar parts possibly hence why it has such a modern modern rotten Christ sound um the drummer uh, uh Maelstrom played in Thou Art Lord as well and a load of other bands I don't recognize that well I've been saying for a while um I my knowledge of 
Greek black metal is lacking because I think there's a lot to um, to dig there. There's a, a massive scene, and yeah, this this is just a brilliant album. Like it's never gonna quite leave the shadow of Rotten Christ. Like these guys are too tired for that. But actually, because they have a hand in that original sound, this doesn't feel like a worship album or a band kind of ripping off another. It's it's some guys just doing a really good job of returning to a sound they helped invent and and for that it, it's it's a brilliant listen This next review is going to be an incredibly short one, but I certainly wanted to give it a shout out. This is the latest release from Asphyx, Necrosaurus. Necrosaurus? Necrosaurus, I'm going to go with that. Uh, yeah, their nth album. So, Martin Van Druden's back with lineup he's been with for a little while now, like the most recent member, Stefan the drummer, been with them since 2014 and if you've seen Asphyx live in the last few years or or listened to like any of their more recent releases you'll know the guys are on fairly top form I remember Death Hammer from 2012 being a really solid one at least but yeah Necrosaurus is just just it's more in the vein of what Asphyx sounds like you you're not getting any massive departure from the sound you're probably used to from albums like The Rack and Last One on Earth they're just really really good at it still like Martin Andrew's voice has lost nothing over time, and these guys still write those fantastic, incredibly to-the-point, traditional kind of Netherlands death metal riffing. Like, you know, the guitarist has done time with, with Thanatos, he was in Hail of Bullets. Like, you know what to expect from these guys. They know what they're doing. These guys are just... They're just an incredible unit, but I guess the the advantage of this this album has it, it sounds really good. It's got a really nice mix to it, and over its like forty minute runtime, doesn't get boring. Ten just really solid tracks. Um, yeah, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed this album, and often with bands like this, I I, I do tend to skip some of the more recent releases because you know you're not going to be surprised by them necessarily, but. 
there is nothing wrong with just doing the formula well like Asphics have with Necrosaurus. So moving straight on, that brings me to Jotun with their debut album, Access All Worlds. So the reason you may have heard of Jotun spelt I-O-T-U-N-N is because they have the incredible vocal talents of um, Jon Aldera of Hamford, a Faroese-based doom band, and this guy has an incredible singing voice. He is just one of my favourite singers. I, 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 his singing voice is something else. Scream's also absolutely brilliant. So whereas Hamford are a very clearly, yeah, clear doom band, uh, Jotun is progressive metal, kind of progressive death metal, but with a lot of uh, leaning into the clean stuff. So here's an album I'm super stoked for, um, just because hearing more of his voice is always a good thing, and then helped by like another cool uh, Elaran Cantor cover, which, you know, always uh, is always a good thing. And it's it's really solid. I I will never say it's one of my favourite albums. I think that vocal approach is more suited to Hamford, where he can really tug at the heartstrings when the music is so designed for the kind of melancholic atmosphere. Whereas with Axis All Worlds, it's, you know, it's a progressive metal album, so it moves through a, a lot of different styles, and there's lots more kind of fancy lead guitar work also you know it's got a much more kind of modern sounding like very clinical recording like you know slightly clicky drums and all that none of this is a problem it's absolutely brilliant it's just it's not the pinnacle of what i've heard from this guy the rest of the band do a fantastic job if this was an album with you know just a run-of-the-mill vocalist i would still really enjoy it i think some of the songwriting is incredible but, like, Jon just pushes them over the edge on tracks like Towers of Cosmic Nihility. When he brings in that big chorus melody, it, it's incredible. So maybe somewhat lacks the staying power of, of, like, his absolute best work, but still highly worth your time. Like, really
so unsurprisingly with this uh, episode there's going to be a lot of focus on black and death metal because that that's my my thing these days and uh, a, an album you'd be very unsurprised to hear I really enjoyed is the latest release from Esoctrillium Direth Requiem of the Serpent Telepath released Snivoid Void Hanger Records back in May so one man band of Astagal multi-instrumentalist like he seems like a young guy and is just a musical genius he is like this is now i think his sixth album in five years following hot on the heels of like one of my favorite albums from last year eternally Jeez to shayog so back on to Lurik ashes the album before eternity show he was doing this incredibly brutal complex like hard to grasp um kind of blackened death metal i'd say like they, they felt like other influences in there. And then between like the, the kind of less than a year span between that and the next album, he learned violin and added all these melodic, almost folky influences in and made an album I thought was utterly stunning. With the latest release, uh, Die of Requiem, they seem to have gone back for a more traditionally heavy approach. There's 12 tracks and they are... They're far more straightforwardly brutal. It's so recognisably um, Esoctrillium. Astagal's vocals are a particular like thing of note. He has this very strange low scream. It, it uh, sounds like he's almost like caught in his throat, but makes this amazingly gnarly noise. I, I, I really love his vocal delivery. And there's elements of the previous album that's still there. Like, vi the violins and keyboards that were so present appear kind of momentarily there's there's great um great moments of this melodicism but primarily it's more of brutal punch it's more it's more riff orientated there's a lot more just just great riffing and and still just wows me this is all one guy so many of the performances coupled with the writing on this are just incredibly impressive there's a lot of uniqueness while keeping it you know kind of riffy and uh, more straightforward like he's still this kind of creative genius but also like the masterful musician i guess there's no true virtuosity in here but like the drum performance is really solid the um like the guitar work is, is incredibly fast in places and as i say he has this very unique and interesting vocal approach once again, like Ivor and Hanger are just the great place for for bands like this because um, they they team them up with great artists for their albums. This this has yet again a brilliant cover, this incredibly striking piece uh, by uh, artist Demoff, who um, has done very few other covers other than one of the um, one of the recent uh, Cult of Fire releases. But I, they, this this latest piece is incredibly striking, and and keeping up that um, that kind of aesthetic uh, sort of Trillium's had through the last few arms. Apparently, the the recording is all down to Astagal as well. Like he is, like just this well and truly is one man machine who will put out groundbreaking albums one after another. And groundbreaking albums that are hugely long, but like don't stay outside the welcome. This one is over 75 minutes long, but I find it very digestible in one sitting. Um, the only criticism I have of this album is the final track just sort of stops. 
it's it's quite a short song and it's like the album gives you no hint it's coming to a close it just sort of cuts to black which after so much you'd think they build to a huge crescendo but it, it it never quite comes but there is so much in to enjoy here amazing amount of variety throughout it i find like in the second half of the album it leans a lot more into some of the like more melodic elements that's where like the violin comes back where you get some nice nice hints of like lead guitar stuff come in whereas the earlier half is your more riffy more aggressive stuff it's just a shame with this kind of music actually particularly on this release that we'll probably never hear it live because i really feel um I feel a lot of songs that actually translate well to that setting. Some of that review sounds a bit weird after listening back to that clip. Um, it's all relative to their previous releases. That's still incredibly atmospheric, incredibly melodic music. I just it felt more riffy and to the point than I was expecting for one of their releases. I guess. All right. So next up, another long-awaited debut. This is Holder with God slaughtering hymns for a forlorn peasantry. So Holder is a one woman black metal project from Portland, Oregon, and she's someone like I've been aware of for a couple of years. Um, I remember the her EP "Embraced by Darkness Mists" back in 2019 being really good. So it's it's great to hear finally hear her like on a full length album, which has a bit more of a kind of professional sound to it. Like this is a really well put together product, actually. Um, so it's a kind of short 40 minute long release of some relatively traditional black metal like the kind of I'd say on the more more aggressive end of black metal although that's that's kind of capped off by the um the incredibly bombastic keyboards we have on it. So Holder the the one behind this is responsible for the vocals, the guitar, bass, those aforementioned keyboards and then she's joined by uh, Sam Osborne, drummer of uh, Funabarum among other things 
to uh, to sort of complete that lineup. And yeah, this was just like it's a very immediate album. Again, another one that is quite noticeably riffy, got a lot of really catchy melodies, and actually, although they are somewhat overpowering, those that huge keyboard sound like really works. The um, the vocal delivery I also I really like. It's just she just has a great black metal voice. It's far more traditional, but. Although, actually, the music, I'd say, is more rooted in a kind of Norwegian sound, but the vocal delivery is more of that, like, uh, kind of Swedish, slightly melodic uh, black metal voice. Like, it's um, quite clear and and enunciated rather than being, like, the really pain screaming you you sometimes get. There's some cool departures on this. Track four, uh, which I'm not going to try and pronounce the name of, is a full, like keyboard and acoustic guitar with occasional kind of electric guitar moments like interlude like actually the longest song on the album is the interlude and it it sort of really works and breaks things up nicely but at its core this is an album of just really well written black metal with fantastic sounding like it just sounds really good the great guitar tone as i say i love those very simplistic slightly folky keyboards um that are used used throughout this really well written like the only thing it lets it down and i, I feel a lot of this is very knowing because all her releases have sort of had this element is the co- cover is really stupid it's sort of like a drawn image like as a border to a photo of her in the woods wearing like vaguely traditional garb it's it's fairly over the top but then she's always had that aesthetic like all like all her previous photos are like her in armor with a sword wearing corpse paint in the woods somewhere so like that imagery should tell you exactly what you're getting from this kind of from this music Okay, so for a massive uh, tonal shift, I'm going to cover two releases that I think came out a little while ago, but have only just gone up on a new standard elites bandcamp. So I, I just kind of came across both from the the other day. So if you you're not familiar with the label New Standard Elite, they are the go-to pingy, incredibly brutal um, death metal label. Like they specialize in just extremely fast, extremely pingy snare super low guttural vocals so this is unsurprisingly what you're going to get for these albums so the first of which is urged with elimination of the symbolic so this is a debut album from an international collaboration we have um peter sengvixay on drums who is from laos um from lao is it lao or laos uh, <laughs> oh god i really should know that um Yangare Hardy, who we covered uh, on the episode with Donovan, who's in Pure Wrath and a shit ton of brutal uh, death metal bands and owns his own studio. Incredibly uh, talented multi-instrumentalist from in- Indonesia playing bass guitar. And then the final part of the lineup is uh, Paul Wack uh, Buka Hamok on vocals, who is in a few brutal death metal bands, but also seems to be a well-respected um noise harsh noise wall gore noise type guy which is a kind of style that is outside uh, outside my understanding i've got to admit but this i really enjoy this is it's kind of exactly what you'd expect from this sound but with that kind of brutal death metal slam if you will um i've always struggled with the american and russian slam scenes like for the most part i don't really get what a lot of those bands are doing 
But when it comes to the Indonesian bands, and I know I'm, this is a collaboration in Indonesia, Laos, and Thailand, um, it's they just get it right. Like it's the thing about Indonesia when they do slam, I really, really enjoy it. And this is this is exactly what you expect from the genre, but it's played by a group of veterans, so it is incredibly fast. The vocals are ridiculously low. They are the full-blown someone stepping on a bullfrog kind of noise throughout. There is you're getting no lyrics from this album, and then it's just this huge wall of guitar and bass, yeah, mixed with that incredibly huge snare and kick sound. Ninety miles an hour throughout absolutely punishing and again absolutely brilliant cover i believe i'll just check oh it's not i thought it it, it was going to be um a paolo girardi cover but it, it actually isn't it's um it's a different different artist uh guan yang um but yeah the cover is this this ridiculously over the top image of like Oh, it's, it's one to look up, really not worth me trying to explain, but I, I, I genuinely, for this kind of style, I, I really love that as a cover. Like, it's far, like, far superior to those, like, just anonymously brutal covers you tend to get in this genre. Yeah, so overall, like, urged, they are not reinventing the wheel in this, but this is a group of old hands doing a genre they know really well to an incredibly high degree. <laughs> relatively similar vein so it's the next album new standard elite put out in a couple of days on that band camp this is another debut meshum with enigmatic existential essence and this is a one-man project of uh, the turkish musician erin ozturk who he seems to have had a like you know fairly wide career between a load of bands i'm not really aware of them I, I must admit fairly ignorant of the the turkish metal scene but this one for me is just an absolute triumph of tone. So whereas Urge felt like your more traditional slam, it's the you know the true kind of bullfrog gurgly vocals, really hyper ping snare. This has a lot of that toned down a bit, and it just works so well. So the drums still sound absolutely fucking huge. They're a massive wall of snare and double kick. The vocals are still incredibly low. But there's more enunciation and variety in there, although they are ridiculously low. He has such a good scream voice. And then they're just this wall of this absolutely amazing, hefty guitar tone. 
the other thing I noticed about this one is it's so noticeably technical. While not particularly flashy, just it feels immensely complex. Although often very hard to penetrate because it is such a kind of absolute wall of noise. The way it's mixed is really oppressive, and that like that drumming is just ever present. Um, yeah, really, really intense stuff. But with a load of cool creative ideas in there, it's quite a long runtime actually. I think it's about fifty minutes, and I do oh no, only forty. Uh, that's, that's, that's kind of testament to the intensity of it, and it just doesn't it doesn't let up in that time. It is it is truly overwhelming. Um, but what what really sells it? Like you don't need to understand every riff because those tones are so so perfect the the one sort of deviation is the the outro is is essentially like a noise piece uh embers flit among the edifices of uncreation and that is like a, a kind of really nice breather at the end of the album I, I feel that really works well also there's an odd thing going on in terms of the the kind of lyrics of every single track on the album starts with e and the title is three words in a row beginning with e also, saying again, I like for the style, it's going for that kind of, like, over-the-top, like, sort of occulty slash science-y word salad, which, um, which I, I, I like. It, it means, it means the songs aren't just, like, excessive gore, which I just, I, I'm just bored of. I'm just, yeah, I don't have patience for that when there's so much more interesting stuff you can do, especially when you don't have to be fully enunciating your vocals. I've not looked into the lyrics for this, but I like the song titles. Another real plus point for it, really cool album cover, this black and white image of, like, a cloud morphing into this, like, tentacled mass creature. Slightly, yeah, rather unnerving. Whereas uh, the, the cover is all verging on funny, but, like... Still, still kind of intense and brutal. This one, this one's actually kind of scary and sinister. Um, yeah, really impressive artwork by uh, M. Tao, who, who uh, otherwise isn't uh, isn't credited with a with a lot, at least uh, by Metal Archive. So I don't know if they're not traditionally like a an artist for metal bands, but yeah, I'd love to see more work from them. And yeah, this is just incredible for a debut solo outing. I I can't believe this is the product of one guy. Just really really impressive if you're if you can deal with the kind of the lows and that kind of i guess the stylistic trappings of modern brutal death metal definitely give these guys a messum or this guy messum a go uh enigmatic existential essence it is a really impressive album <laughs>
Next is another debut album. Uh, I promise I'm not doing this on purpose. This is a collaboration between Dea, who I've covered many times on the podcast War, a uh, Belgian-based, uh, primarily black metal musician who releases a ludicrous amount of music. So, it, like, if you ever go to Dea's YouTube channel, he does these incredible videos where he will show himself essentially constructing songs from scratch uh, to the final kind of product recording in like a four-hour stream. The guy is the guy is a machine for creating interesting. As I say, primarily black metal, but the guy can do a lot of different genres. This is a collaboration between himself and Brulliard, who is a primarily one-woman um, French black metal project under the name Brulliard, but also the um, owner of Transcendence Records. And this collaboration is Transcending Rights, um, and the album is called Enfrowment of the Third. And what it is, is a fantastic, like, supremely raw-sounding black metal. This is very much, like, that stereotype of what black metal is, the, the kind of, you know, recorded, like, in the most, like, nihilistic, like, lo-fi way possible. But something about this just sounds so good. They just, they just get it right. It's three really long songs. The... The two musicians split vocal duties and all instrument duties. Like no one's really credited one way or another. I think uh, Brilliard has the has the lion's share of the vocals. Like it seems to be her slightly higher pitched style that's um, sort of leading the band, and she sounds incredible on it. It all has that distant, far away, fuzzy mix. Like very, very trebly drums like way off in the background at a constant like high tempo blast throughout tremolo picking you you know it's it's exactly what you expect from this sound but it just sounds really really good and i I love that it sort of came out of nowhere it's just one of those there just announces he's dropping another album and and that's it we have we have like 45 minutes of incredible raw black metal um amazing cover art as well like uh done by someone who goes by the name business for satan but yeah as much as that that um that name might suggest something pretty stupid the the cover looks incredible and another really cool black and white picture of the kind of uh souls leaving a body and just just really cool look to it there's not a great deal to say about this. This is something like you will know if this will be for you from the opening seconds. I think that's very true of the last few releases. But yeah, just once again, testament to Dea is not putting out a huge amount of material at low quality. He seems to be have like a singular talent for actually making music at this pace when it's still really brilliant. He, he seems to just have an endless creative streak. And and not to take away from uh, Brilliard's involvement as well, I assume this was a full collaboration. Um, she's also, like, incredibly um, active, doing a huge amount of releases under under her own name and uh, a couple of other projects. So, yeah, both musicians to check out if you haven't before. And if you like that kind of very lo-fi black metal sound, this this isn't a bad start point for me.
Next is the second EP I'm covering on this one. This is Phlebotomized with Pain Resistant Suffering. So you may remember from one of my earlier Death Metal Forgotten Gems episode, we covered their debut and um, earlier EPs. Like Immense Intense Suspense is the, the real incredible Phlebotomized album that, that, that sort of got me into the band. Um, and the, the unique take in that was they had a violin in a kind of almost like brutal, at least progressive death metal setting. Um, over the years, lineup has massively changed. They, they always differed greatly album to album. Their, their second album, Sky Contact, which came out not too long after Immense Intense, was a really different beast again. And in recent years, the um, the lineup has completely completely changed. Um, so the only original member is Tom Palms. Um, who was, I think, I believe, lead guitarist in the earlier stuff. And they've put out a kind of comeback album, Deformation of Humanity, in 2018. And it's, it's a far cry from what they were doing before. Don't expect any of the violin. There isn't that in the lineup anymore. What we get is a kind of fairly progressive, melodic death metal band now. There's um, seven of them, three guitars for some reason, um, a keyboard player, vocalist, bass player, drummer. And the music has this you know it's very technically proficient very melodic lots of really interesting keyboard passages like that has a real sort of driving place in it and then the kind of your primary position is bendegraaf the the vocalist who has a, like a great um a great kind of melodic death metal growl like he, he really fits that sound well uh his clean vocals are a bit more shaky. I'm not so big a fan of them, but they're few and far between on this. And this um, pain resistance suffering, just really solidly written, like, as I say, the slightly more proggy end of melodic death metal, really sort of just interesting stuff. There's a lot of variation, a lot of interesting changes of pace in there. Uh, it's just it's extremely well put together. It sometimes it does veer towards more cheesy than would I be ideal for me but I, I don't think that's a huge huge negative also this isn't like the Estrone EP it's, it's 24 minutes long seven tracks it like you get you well and truly get your money's worth in terms of time like this is there's a lot of ideas here this isn't an EP where they've just thrown a couple of new tracks I'm surprised they didn't actually flesh it out to a full length because it's kind of most of the way there and particularly with like the really cool cover and art and everything, it feels like they've almost done the work for for a full length. I'm not sure why they decided to go for the EP format instead. But yeah, really enjoy this. I that use of keyboard gives it quite a quite a unique feel. Like I'm not so I'm not so used to like death metal bands relying so heavily on like kind of like synthesized piano for um for the kind of melodic side of it. I think it's, uh, yeah, the guy is credited with, with keyboards. Again, not entirely sure why they need three guitarists, but it might be a cool addition live, and, it you know, there's, there's probably, probably good reason. And, you know, in terms of the album, it just sounds great. They, they get a really great guitar tone for this style. I'll be interested to see where they go next with this, because, as I say, they're a band who never really seem to do the same thing twice, so... If this has been getting a more melodic thing out of the way, it'd be it'd be great to see this lineup go in a heavier direction. As I say, like the scream side of this, I really like, and actually when the band get more intense, are oh, the real highlights of this EP. But yeah, if you're into your melodic death metal, this is definitely worth a listen. It's it's a really interesting release. 
Next up is a super group of sorts. This is Werewolves from Australia with their second album, What a Time to Be Alive. And this is a really fun one. So the lineup features um, Sam Beam, who um, you may know from the Berserker or his solo project, The Senseless, also um, does the screen vocals for Antichrist Imperium. Uh, Matt Wilcock, who, again, famous for The Berserker, uh, his time in Akakoka, those those last couple of albums before their, their first split, and again, guitarist in the Antichrist Imperium. And then um, a guy I'm less less familiar with, but has an incredible kind of um, roster of bands, uh, Dave Haley uh, on drums. So these are three incredibly competent musicians who have been around for a while, doing something that I've heard in few describe as their more fun project. This is them just throwing together some straightforward, catchy death metal. But they are all playing to their strengths to such an extreme degree in this. Um, Sam being the vocalist is is the great centre point for this. His vocals are fucking excellent because he's someone i was first familiar with like getting into the early berserker stuff watching him like record on like the principles and practices of the berserker dvd he does so many kind of cool vocal things that and in his own projects he's always been really interesting and he has so many different voices like he he can do your super lows like he can do the really enunciated stuff he's got a higher register they just he goes through hundreds of different like like slight variations on the techniques it just sounds excellent on the whole this album is just a hell of a lot of fun it's in many ways for these guys it's quite simplistic so there isn't any of Matt Wilcox's like sort of lead guitar work, which is kind of the thing I really know him for. This is all just short, like three minute tracks with just a load of great riffs with loads of hooks. Like the vocals are really hooky and memorable, and they and all of the lyrics are just this incredibly aggressive, angry stuff. The the first the opening line of the album is. I don't like you, I fucking hate you. And we're at exactly that level with it. So it's not the most intelligent or highbrow stuff you've ever heard, but these guys are just such veterans. They pull off this simplistic, angry, aggressive style in such an immensely satisfying way. Like, I find this album incredibly engaging, and it's a, like a quick listen, and you will... You will just be hooked by it. it has great riffs it has such a great delivery it has an amazing amount of kind of like aggression behind it the cover art that totally fits to like two naked figures like ripping each other to pieces exactly what this sounds like in that regard I, they've they've achieved exactly what i am sh totally assuming they set out to do with this it's funny i think um in interviews i heard sam sort of say like it's interesting Werewolves has kind of taken off because of all their projects. It's probably the one a lot of them put the least effort into. Like, it's it's something that comes so naturally to them. Whereas, you know, if you look at something like Antichrist Imperium, that's far more kind of experimental and involves songwriting. But what is great here is hearing that side of them where they can just throw together some, like, death metal with no no additions to it, no... No addendums, this is just pure traditional death metal in a way that, again, like uh, like a few bands I've mentioned, I would love to see this live. This is like the most mosh pit inducing, kind of furious, like just straight ahead take on death metal. They, they, 
they just do it with such skill. I, again, it's not the most highbrow, but that's not a failing on its part at all. One, two, three, four. I don't like you, fucking angel. You disgust me, lose your worldview. I don't like you, fucking angel. Tear your limbs off me, you do Next up is one I don't quite feel ready to review, but I want to mention it because I'm enjoying it so much. This is Epiphanic Truth, um, their debut album. Yeah, another debut. Seems to be a lot of debuts on this episode. Dark Triad, Bitter Psalms to a Sordid Species, put on Church Road Records. It's a UK-based band doing a kind of experimental black and death metal, um, as the, the name would suggest, Dark Triad. It's a free piece. Uh, they, are, they are anonymous, but... Um, uh, the project is made up of an anonymous core of musicians from a number of former established acts that will not perform live. So, don't know too much about them. The band photo is just three dudes in robes and kind of um, weird uh, masks. And the album is this really cool free track thing where it's, um, as I say, kind of black and death metal, really... That kind of massive sounding, like the like that kind of really well produced, well captured stuff, doing these huge songs that go through so many kind of movements. And it's core really is like that kind of heavy modern death metal riffing with great vocals on it. But then there are moments of um there's like proper clean vocal moments and the the singing on this is absolutely brilliant as well and then stuff that does get you know lives up to the kind of more experimental tag the the opening track true for the beast has this kind of three minute long sort of atmospheric electronic um outro that fades perfectly into the second track and then the final song of the album our vile roots flourish beyond light is this 23 minute long epic that does so many things in it that I can't really fully get my head around it. I mean, this is one of those things, it, in many ways, it, it flows a lot like a release, like, say, Edge of Sanity's Crimson, where there is not so much, you know, 
repeating kind of you've got no verse chorus type structure or anything like that you just have repeating themes throughout the album like it's essentially it's, it's three tracks that flow together and more than half the album's runtime is on the final song so it is these these incredibly complex structures but the band like did they imply for the statement are well well like gifted musicians who've been doing it for a while and that is abundantly clear here the the songwriting is incredible it's a really decent recording of it but incredibly engaging stuff just a really great progressive take on on that kind of black and death metal sound i'm saying that i don't i always struggle to know if something is truly that genre it kind of sounds too well produced to be black metal but that's kind of where where like a, the, a lot of the other aesthetic in it leans it has a suitably avant-garde cover of this kind of like whirlpool of human and animal faces merging towards the one colored point on the in the center it's a pretty cool cover and i, I like the whole the anonymity angle they've got it is really cool i am incredibly curious to know to know more about this band i, I hope they keep doing stuff under this name because this album was a, a real interesting surprise. It's probably one, like, we'll probably do an end-of-year wrap-up of, of sorts. I'm not sure I'm going to do another, like, top 10, top 15. I think I've overdone that format in recent years. But I'm sure I'll come back to a lot of albums this year, like, towards the end of the year. And uh, this one, I think, will require a longer review then. Uh, this one and the next one I'm going to mention were both recommendations from Jake from the Into the Combine group. So... Thanks a lot for these, Jake. They, they're incredible, but yeah, as I say, I need more time with these to really, really get to the bottom of them. Brings us to the final band we're going to cover for this episode. I will be doing a second part because I've only got halfway through the list of stuff I wanted to talk about. I'm missing out a lot I really enjoyed, but be good to tie Jake's two recommendations together. This one is from Ivoid Hanger Records. Uh, the band is Accusal Intrusion, and the album is Nullitas. Um... As you know, I have a great fondness for um, for Ivoid Hanger. They tend to always put out quality stuff. I think I may have implied earlier these guys have a black metal leaning. Strictly, they're a, a tech death band, and this is, yes again, another debut album. Um, as you expect, it's Ivoid Hanger, and it has an absolutely incredible album cover. It's amazing, very, like, creepy, abstract black and white picture. So, sound of the album, it is one of those things, like... They're listening to Metal Archives as a tech death band. They're a tech death band in the way a band like Portal is a tech death band. This is very technical, um, but very raw, very rough around the edges sounding death metal where every element is uniquely used to create incredibly creepy, unsettling, dark atmospheres throughout. There is no... That none of this is, is nothing in this is for any purpose other than to like you know wrong foot you to create a sound that will unsettle throughout. Um, but there is a lot of technicality in this. Like take for example the second half of the track manifesting rights gets properly shreddy. Also with the sound, as I say, it's quite raw. Like it's got a slightly you know that cavernous death metal sound, complete with an incredibly pingy snare actually for something that. I say it always has like a black metal leaning and aesthetic, if nothing else. Um, that's an interesting choice. The vocals really put me in mind of the screams on Ahab's debut album. Those 
that like it's almost like carbon copy of that guy's vocals actually nothing to do with that band though this is a u.s band but um like that that's what what i really got the impression from it and it's it's a dense album like the songs are long complex completely atypical structures they throw in a lot of moments of kind of more melodic or at least there's moments where the drums aren't like kind of uneven present actually the first four minutes of the album are this kind of slow build up which is far more atmospheric like moments of clean dome guitar and synths i assume building to the point of like the the true opening the transcending the veil comes in and but then we get the real sound as soon as those vocals hit that's kind of the sound we're with but there there are interlude tracks throughout there there are kind of variations so it doesn't have the full oppressiveness as say a band like portal does like they're there it's it's far more um far more varied than that really really interesting um release and i think again one if i had a little bit more time with it i could get very into this well i think i am getting very into this now something i want to touch on because this was kind of amazing when i saw it the album is a two-piece with uh, Nairoth on uh, guitar, bass, keyboards, and backing vocals, who's you know, got a few entries of other bands, but you know this seems to be their new project. But the drummer and vocalist, uh, primary vocalist, Cave Ritual, is a guy I've not been aware of before, who is one of the most densely populated metal archives page I've seen since Dayers. Uh, he's a guy called Jared Morgan, and like just the block of bands under his name is is like a paragraph thick he like he seems to be he's in about 40 odd projects loads of which he's the sole member um yeah i i i'm, I'm familiar with basically none of them i have to admit and and but they don't seem like you know sort of is often the case of these to be entirely kind of like drone doom bands like there's all sorts of genres like he's into grind into black metal and he's got some other death metal projects like this seems like a really interesting character i really want to sort of dig into their history more I, I, I just need to make a make a choice of where to actually start on their work but yeah like really i always find it so fascinating when you come across these people who have these kind of really long running and involved careers but you've never heard the name before anyways yeah if you if you like as i say portal possibly a bad comparison but if you can get around that sound or even the you know if you if you're big into the the kind of new movement of the dissonant death metal i think accusal intrusion will um will have something for you and as i said another task is now i want to spend a lot more time with because i think there is something really interesting going on here there's they have done a very good job of crafting like the atmosphere to fit with this incredibly dark death metal all right so that's probably gonna do it for uh part one like I've got another 15 albums on a cover. I'm obviously not going into too much detail like I did here. Uh, so that'll be out in two weeks. Um, also, get in touch. Let me know what you've been listening to this year. I, I really... I haven't had my ear to the ground in terms of new music in 2021. So 
please get in touch with your recommendations like tell me what your favorite album from the year is so far or favorite albums or if you've put out anything yourself like uh please hit me up you can contact me uh phil's breakfast metal at gmail.com if you want to get in touch by email we're also at breakfast metal on twitter and we're on facebook and instagram as well so yeah please please send those those through to me um and as a part two will be out in two weeks time thanks a lot for listening Thank you.